اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم علیہ اللہ بکافن ابدا از اللہ ناٹ سفیشنٹ فار ہز سرونٹ دس از فرام چیپٹر تھرٹی نائن ورس تھرٹی سیون اینڈ ایز آئی مینشن بفور از ان نائنٹین فورٹی سیون And he laid out a few very basic things for us. The first and foremost is that we should remember that this is a verse from the Holy Quran. And therefore the actual recipient is none other than the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Secondly, it was revealed again to the promised Musa alayhi And that is why majority of us may even have an alayhi salah ring. How many of us have an alayhi salah ring? Raise your hand. All right, quite a few of us, mashallah. So this is a way for you to every time you see a ring, it will remind you what this verse actually means. What are the stories behind it, those incidences, inshallah, we'll get into more detail. The third thing is that the beauty of this verse is that it says, Alayhi sallahu bikafin abdahu. Abd is mentioned here, a servant. It doesn't say Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa It doesn't say Ahmad alayhi salam. It says abd. So in fact, in one way or another, the door has been left open for all of us to be part and parcel of the recipients of the blessings behind this verse. So now the question is, what does the verse mean? And it actually has two elements we have to keep reminding ourselves. And you can get it just by hearing the, the words themselves, but sometimes we forget. We think, is Allah not sufficient for His servants is enough? But think of it like this, Allah is saying, To his servant. Is Allah not sufficient for his servant? What does that imply? It implies two things. One, there has to be some kind of difficulty, a challenge, a threat that already exists. Since it exists, Allah is saying from heaven, is Allah not sufficient for his servants? So that means it must be such a difficulty that a person finds no way and no means to get out of it. There's no chance, no way to wiggle his way through All doors have been closed. Everything is absolutely impossible. The difficulty is right in front of him. And therefore he can turn to none other than God Almighty. But then here's the promise. Allah says, if you are my abd, you are my servant, I am sufficient for you. So Allah then makes a way, something so impossible, something so unheard of, that when it's finally, you find yourself through that particular way or method, you know that it is definitely from Allah Almighty. There's no other way to get through it. And like I said, this is in fact, it was revealed many, many years later in the Holy Quran. It was not revealed from day one. It wasn't the first revelation he received. In fact, later on in his life. But Hazrat Muslim here says, in a very beautiful way, he says, even though it was revealed later on, it is actually a summary of his entire life. If you were to examine his life, every story, every element, even before he was born, you will find this verse played a role. Meaning, at every situation there was a difficulty, a challenge, a threat of some sort, that was always overcome by God Himself. Not by any human being, not by any person on earth. Nobody could intervene and say, okay, I am the one who helped the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam one way or the other. It was none other than God. Now I know last week we already discussed the story of his birth. If anybody remembers, we discussed the story that you know, before he was even born, Allah gave him one of the biggest threats and challenges and difficulties of his life, which was that his father had died even before he was born. 
In a scenario like that, as you can imagine, even in this day and age, where single mothers have to raise their children, the odds are so stacked against them, it's impossible. They've done studies and statistics. They say if a single mother has to raise their child, they have 70% more chance of depression and anxiety and so many other issues. Financially, the burden. They've done one study where it's almost $217,000 to raise a child all the way to the age of 18. Now, that's a lot of money. And so again, if we're only looking at dollar bill amount, that's one aspect. Health concerns and mental stability is another concern. But here, of course, this is 1,400 years ago. Where the stakes are higher, the chances of survival are far less. So much so that a child that's born as an orphan is not only neglected and ignored, sometimes they don't even make it past their infancy. They die in very early age. But none other than his own grandfather who typically when they lose their own son, they disconnect from that family. They say, I have nothing to do, I have seven, you know, eight or nine other sons, why should I care about the son of this son that I've already lost? But Allah Almighty placed the love of a father in his own grandfather, who upon his birth went straight to the Kaaba and thanked God Almighty, that, oh Allah, thank you for giving me the blessing of this birth of this child. Here's the next element of the story, and that is that we know that the Holy Prophet Muhammad وسلم, had a huge task ahead of him, right? He was going to be the chief of the world, the chief of all the prophets. Every aspect of his life was critical and the most important aspect would be health, right? He had to be healthy enough to be able to be on that battlefield or to be able to stand before those kuffar, those enemies. So many different elements are there. And so in his infancy, this is where a story starts, which is that because Mecca was a metropolitan, so to speak, of that era, it lacked vegetation, it lacked clean water, it lacked clean air, it didn't have enough fruits, all of these elements existed. And so it became a sort of trend or a sort of um, social you know, safety net, which was that Bedouins, people who lived in the deserts, every six months, their mothers, their women, would, would basically flood into the city of Mecca, and they would roam around Mecca looking for newborn babies that they would then take with them as a token of, you know, pre, you know, of, of reward or so, take them to these deserts, raise them up, give them healthy food, fresh water, all that kind of stuff, and then bring them back after a few years, and so on and so forth. This was their way of, of having a livelihood. And Meccans, this was perfect for them to be able to make sure that their children passed the age of one. Right? Many societies had that challenge even then. And so what happens? When the Holy Prophet Muhammad was about six months old, that day came when the mothers of these Bedouin villages came into the city of Mecca. And it so happened that each home that had a child or had an infant or a baby would sit and wait for these foster mothers to come in. And they would examine the child, examine the home, see which one was more profitable, which one would be a better reward, assess their you know, risks and so on and so forth and reward, and then choose a family. And then the family themselves would examine this Bedouin and see that, is she healthy? Is she knowledgeable? Does she, know the right, she have the right language? Even language actually was a factor to make sure that it was pristine Arabic, it was better spoken in the villages. And a lot of this is very common even in this day and age. And so... Now imagine for a moment, you're in Mecca. The Holy Prophet Muhammad 
sallallahu alaihi wasallam is 6 months old and he is again the grandson of the chief of mecca abdul muttalib so when these women came in from the bedouin towns they immediately figured chief of mecca good reward let's all go to his home first so many of the families would go into his home each one would walk in examine the family look around to see that there's no father there's no man here there's only a woman and her child and immediately they would click in their minds this is an orphan there's no money here there's no reward here and all of them would say sorry we're going to head to the next house so just imagine from the other side of it hazrat amina sitting there hoping that her son would have a good caretaker a good foster mother who would take him to these Bedouin towns and give him good health and language and all that kind of stuff. And each time a mother would walk in, she would get rejected. One after another. Like, imagine every single one walked into that house, examined Hazrat Amina, looked at how much means she has, she has no money, income, nothing, and said no, and left the house. It so happened that one woman also, I think it was a sixth woman, or sixth person who came in, and she came in, she roamed around, also expecting to see a good amount of reward. But noticing that it was just a mother and her child. And so she says something interesting, different than others. She said, I'll come back. I'm just going to go and check the other houses as well. But I'll come back. But in the back of her mind, she had no intention. She said, there's no reward here. I'm going to head to another house, find another child from a better home, and that will be my, you know, the best thing for us to take back home with us. So now what happens? On one end, our master Prophet Muhammad in his infancy is there and every single mother that walks in is rejecting him. But on the other side, a very magical day so to speak, this woman goes to each and every other home that has children. And it so happens that each one of the families actually rejected her. One after the other. She would walk into one, she would say, okay, this one's perfect, good family, good income. And she would say, okay, I would like to be the foster mother. They would say, no, no, not you, you're too poor. You're not, you're not the standard we want. You have to leave. One by one, she went into every single house and was rejected by every single house on that day. So on one end, the Holy Prophet Muhammad was being rejected. And on the other side, this woman whose name happened to be Halima, was also being rejected. In the Bible, there's a prophecy that was fulfilled on that very day. It says the stone the builders rejected had become the cornerstone. On that day, the Holy Prophet Muhammad and Hazrat Halima both had been so rejected that at the end, Hazrat Halima felt shame. She said, you know, I have nobody to take back. At least let me return to that woman who has said I would return, I would come back. Let's see if at least her child might be available. And so when she went in, she saw Hazrat Amina was still there, and the Holy Prophet Muhammad ﷺ was still there. And so she agreed to take him. Hazrat Amina also agreed to give very minimal, meager means she had. And Hazrat Halima said, it's okay, I will take him. But then Hazrat Halima says, once I took him back, she said, I've never seen so many blessings come down from heaven. She said, I don't know how to describe it. She says, I swear by Allah 
Even the goats that I had that ceased to give milk began to give milk. She said, I had seen so much blessing, I could not understand how I could receive so many blessings just by bringing home a child. This is that prophecy being fulfilled. Think of it from that perspective. There's a child who's completely rejected, no way of even assuring his health would be taken care of, his language, all that, just the preliminary stuff that an infant needs. On the other side, we find Allah made sure that the right person was also being rejected. So that there would be no other way to wiggle it out. She would have to go back to the Holy Prophet Muhammad because we all knew that she was the one who was going to be the caretaker and foster mother of Halima, of the Holy Prophet Now what's, what happens next? Everybody I'm sure is wondering. The first thing is after two years she brings him back, this baby. Now any normal scenario, after two years you get your income, you get your reward and you go on your way. You find another child and you keep going in this cycle. But when Hazrat Halima or when she re- returned, when she went to Hazrat Amna, she in fact begged Hazrat Amna, please let me take this boy back with me. I cannot live without him. He is such a loving and beautiful boy that I must take him back. And so that is where Hazrat Amna actually agreed and allowed her to take him back. This is how that transformation of even a baby can make this is not a normal baby. This was none other than our Master Prophet Muhammad wasallam. And we know that Hazrat Amna eventually also passed away. And so Allah again fulfilled that Is Allah not sufficient? That even when you lose your mother, I will give you another. When you lost your father, I gave you another. When you lose your mother, I will give you another. And this cycle will continue. I will watch over you every instance. But yes, you will have to face those difficulties. Those challenges, they will come. And again, think of it from Hazrat Halima's perspective. She went there that day to make some money. A meager amount probably. Hoping she'd get that chieftain's house and she would make some money. But what did she get in return? Allah blessed her so much. It was as if was revealed for her just the same. Because when she returned, all those goats that ceased to give milk, she couldn't have any money in the world she would have brought home. It wouldn't have fixed that particular income. A regular source of income that she received. But again, it didn't end there. It so happened, years later, the victory of Mecca, there was a battle of Hunan. And in this battle, Halima's entire nation, entire tribe, actually fought against the Muslims, for whatever reason. But they were there. And they lost. And they were captured. As a Muslim, Allah explains, he says, look, when you are captured in war, there's only one real way to do it, right? You either keep them and give them, return them for some, some sort of trade-off, right? You either take some other POWs away and so on and so forth. He said, or they have to pay. Because you just battled in a war, lost all of your income, whatever that scenario is, at the end of the day, you are now in the negative. So you use this as a token to make sure that you make something back. But what happens here? When Halima's entire nation was presented before our Master Prophet Muhammad he immediately released all of them. 
with not a single penny asked. He said, I must let you free. This is my mother who was the one uh, who took care of me. And that is your mother. And so he released all of them. At that time, Hazrat Muslim in fact even gets into some detail about just calculating how much money he could have received if those 3,000 people were made to pay. And how without even thinking, he said, no, I cannot. And so Hazrat Liman that day took a risk of agreeing to take this child who she thought she could not even receive a few pennies from. But it not only gave her goat milk and her regular sustenance, it gave her happiness, but it also saved her nation many, many years later. Something the Muslim said, God would say, did we not grant Halima a reward never seen in Arabia? And that is a true reality. And that is how works in mysterious ways. It requires us to work hard. It requires us to have that connection with Allah Almighty. And then when those trials or difficulties come in front of you, you pray, you connect with Allah. You tell Allah, oh Allah, I would like to be your abd. Let me be your abd. This difficulty is before me. Let me through it. And then Allah Almighty, when He answers your prayer, He will give you a way that you never thought you could see as a solution to the many, many problems that we all have. May Allah help us to always be connected to Allah Almighty and to understand these beautiful teachings of the Holy Quran in our favor. Ameen.